there's a lot of chatter in the industry about, oh, AI is coming. What it, what is it going to mean? And I think there's, you know, we sort of try to navigate between sort of the hand waviness of, oh my gosh, AI is going to solve the future and you're going to be able to just push a button and get an ad to the hand wringingness of like, oh, we're all doomed and we're not going to have a job in five years. Hi, welcome to another episode. I am Brian Maddox. With me today is John Elder from uh, Creative and Marketing Agency Supernatural. Welcome, John. Thank you very much, Brian. Happy to be here. John, if you could uh, tell our listeners a little bit about where you're coming from and what you're doing, uh, that'll help us get started in our conversation. Sure. Yeah. Um, like uh, Brian said, I'm John Elder. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Creative Agency and consulting firm Supernatural, based in New York and San Francisco. We have been at it for about two and a half years and really one of the first agencies leveraging AI for developing creative advertising and, you know, consulting and doing consulting work. <clears throat> My background is in agency management and account management. I worked at creative agencies like Goodby. I had an agency I founded called Heat in San Francisco, sold that to Deloitte and worked as a management consultant for five years uh, before starting Supernatural um, in 2001. So um, tell me more about, obviously, uh, the buzzword on everybody's lips and, and you and I've spoken about it already, uh, but let's let's talk about what that means, an AI-assisted creative agency. How does that work? Well, I think we have, it works in a number of ways. We have built a platform, an AI and machine learning platform that the agency sits on. And what we've really done is like optimize the workflow. We know what it takes to create advertising, each of the steps. And if you think about um, the advertising business, so much of the advertising business has been transformed by technology, certainly in media, programmatic, um, direct response, social media marketing. But the creative industry really hasn't evolved that much from beyond like the Mad Men days in the 60s. The way ads are get briefed in, get created, have in large part stayed the same. And if you and if you watch Mad Men, you kind of get a, the gist of what it's like to create ads with probably less drinking and sex in the office, especially with remote work. So what we've done is we looked at, you know, especially when we left Deloitte, we looked at kind of what we know about the challenges facing creative agencies, you know, in particular the margin squeeze they're facing and how technology might be used to um, help the industry navigate through, you know, the classic margin squeeze environment. So when someone's considering getting engaged with the agency like, like yours that's working with, you know, using these tools, what are their biggest concerns when they first reach out? I mean, AI has uh, already been putting out some pretty uh, maybe strange things you see on the internet. How, you know, are, do you have folks come at you like, yeah, I, I want, you know, we want some of this kind of assistance, but I definitely don't want the weird stuff. I mean, what does it look like uh, when, I, when you start those conversations? Well, we get a lot of, a lot of interest and I think AI is certainly a, an interesting inflection point, an interesting inflection point that generates a lot of excitement or interest from clients. I think I would say by the time clients get to us, they're less, you know, sort of freaked out, but really curious. As you said, there's a lot of chatter in the industry about, oh, AI is coming. What, it, what is it going to mean? And I think there's, you know, we sort of try to navigate between sort of the hand waviness of, oh my gosh, AI is going to solve the future. And you're going to be able to just push a button and get an ad to the hand wringingness of like, oh, we're all doomed and we're not gonna have a job in five years. The way we look at it is AI is, is like a power tool. And you know, if you think about hiring a contractor, he could use a handsaw or he could use a table saw. One of them is more precise, 
maybe a little bit more accurate, certainly faster, both take crafts. You still need a crafts person to operate either. And I think it's sort of like people worried about the future, their futures for AI is sort of like a carpenter being worried that if he doesn't do it saw by hand, he's going to be out of a job. It's still going to need talented people to get really good breakthrough work out, out in the world. So I think clients are curious and where we use AI is throughout the, the workflow. It isn't, you know, we started this two and a half years ago. And while we didn't know about ChatGPT specifically or all the generative tools that are out there now, what we did know is that there were billions of dollars being invested by the likes of Google and Microsoft, you know, OpenAI, all those other companies. We weren't going to compete with that as a couple of people have ad veterans starting, you know, a new agency. So what we chose to do is really as I said, like really analyze the workflow and use figure out where AI can accelerate, automate, remove a little bit of friction from people's jobs, starting with sort of gathering data to develop insights, then moving on to like, how do you get to a strategy? Then you come up with the creative idea and then implementing a creative idea in production and out in the media channels. AI can do a lot beyond generative stuff. So we've created an algorithm that um, we use to help sift through strategy where it pulls from our data sources. It's We've ingested uh, the last 25 years of academic research about what makes effective advertising, all the work from Binet and Fields, you know, how brands grow by Byron Sharp, Cannes Effectiveness Ladder, really jam-packed with data to surface the kinds of things that people are most interested in. Um, Creative, you know, to get to a great creative idea, machines are not, cannot set objectives. They're not great at creating things that haven't been done before. And that's where real creativity and sparks come from. But it can use you along. It can get you off the schneid and give you some thought starters. But you're really going to need talented creative people to bring ideas to life. You can use it for a lot of automating. So when you need to resize things and things like that, you can just pick up the pace. So in general, what we do is have use AI and machine learning and other technologies to reduce friction, accelerate the workflow, and have people do more of what they like in their job and less of what they don't. So I love I love that sentiment. And I think one of the things that really stands out to me is, you know, that advertising, the, the process that goes all the way from pre-creative through to, you know, through idea genesis and then on to actual production and, and post-production. Of the places where that sort of ROI comes out, where is the lowest hanging fruit for most of the folks you've worked with? Well, for our clients, I think it is, you know, likewise for this is not using AI to come up with the next great, you know, brand campaign idea. It is using it to automate things where um, it takes a lot of man hours and you get not as much value potentially out of it by doing, you know, kind of the drudgery. I think there's there's a number of components. And when we looked at it, we thought, wow, boy, advertising is really, you know, it kind of stinks for the people who have to work in it, the clients who have to buy it and consumers who have to view it. And if you could just make it go back to making it more relevant and interesting, that would be good for better for everybody involved. So for clients, they they look at it. So we have a we have a hospital client, the Christ Hospital Health Network, Cincinnati, Ohio. And we've worked with them using it in a lot of their internal communications, a lot of their, you know, newsletters and, you know, emails from the CEO, things like that. And for them, it is sort of a zero sum game. They have a fixed budget and they can either spend money on marketing or on patient care. And obviously you need to do, you, have, you need to have a balance, but they look at it as they're not trying to like eliminate people's jobs. They want to maximize the amount of 
emphasis they can put on patient care. So anything they can pick up in terms of cost savings or time savings, creating things that people, you know, instead of staring at a blank email and writing the new email of the week, you can have AI just really accelerate the process. So I think a lot of the lower hanging fruit are in things like internal communications, certainly data gathering and analysis. Um, we find that a lot, you know, most of our engagements start with sort of like audience identification and analysis as, as you typically would do, you know, the classic agency would go like, you work with a new client, you figure out, okay, what is unique about that audience? What are, what are the kinds of things they care about? What are their interests and attitudes on a variety of topics? How do they make decisions? How do we influence those decisions? You can do all that manually. You can go look at things like brand index. You can go on your, you know, third-party quantitative data set, you know, pull out of that. You can pull things manually, but manual work, one, takes time, and two, is not as consistent. So we've programmed that into our platform. So we work with a new client, you know, within 24 hours, we can pull in things that used to take a week to for, you know, a smart strategist to pull together, not because it needed them to be smart, just because it, it's very manual. So, so it sounds to me like you're going to get a ton of agility out of that that you wouldn't normally get as well. Does that mean that, you know, you're talking about, uh, you know, heralding a new age of much more responsive, you know, creative development? Absolutely. I think we agility is a great word. And, and our one of our clients, uh, Jenny Calopy, who is the CMO of the Christ Hospital, really is focused on agile marketing. And it, it is something that we believe in. I think it just gives you a having this like sort of data on demand allows you to see as attitudes and perceptions change and things in the market change. Like again, with a hospital, when they were dealing with a, a recruiting crisis for nurses, we're able to like pivot from our brand campaign development strategy work into like, how do you develop something that's going to get response really quickly? And I think having these tools at the ready just makes it a lot easier to get to that. It doesn't mean you're working less. It just means you're probably doing more, but the kinds of effort is different. And I think, I would argue more pleasurable for the people doing the job and then more effective for our clients. Yeah. It sounds to me that there's just a, you get a ton more leverage, right? It's, you know, same people, same resource, you know, 10 times the force multiplier that you're going to get otherwise. And I think, you know, that leads to the natural next question then is, um, you, you know, as your comms, you know, internally, externally gets more effective due to some of these tools, um, we're we're now also facing uh, a, a bit of a problem, and they're talked about uh, talk about it a lot uh, with the web specifically. But I'm sure it's going to impact uh, creative as well, and, and you know advertising and all of that. At some point, the volume you have to manage as well, right? So putting uh, putting more stuff or putting better stuff out there doesn't necessarily mean putting more stuff out there. So how do you balance? those conversations uh, with the platform being able to give you like, oh, yeah, today the message should be this, you know, tomorrow the message might be that. You, you don't want to put out 70 messages a day either. That's not going to help. So how do you balance all that? Well, I, you bring up a couple of good points, Brian. I think one is we have been in sort of an industry of more for the last yeah. you know, couple of decades and probably since you know, really the advent of like the dot-com boom and digital marketing and all that stuff. And, you know, I think this has been been challenging for um, for clients in that their budgets haven't necessarily increased, but they've had to output a lot in a lot more channels and feed these channels. So I think that's that's been part of the reasons that sort of for creative agencies, clients are, you know, a bit more fragmented in what they have to deliver on. And it isn't about putting more. To me, it goes back to relevancy. 
And I think that's where our platform really gives clients an edge because you understand, you know, and I think when I got back in advertising, you know, years ago, it was really about, I really believed in the power of creativity and that the idea that a creative idea doesn't have to cost more than a, you know, boring non-creative idea, but it can make a big difference for brands. And what makes it creative? I think it's like, you know, obviously the, the creative firepower of coming up with something like really unique that maybe hasn't been done before, but tied closely to what people care about. And you, you know, I think in the last several decades, you've had people like, oh, I, you know, since I've been in the business, people say advertising doesn't work on me. I'm not influenced by that. But oh man, did you see that ad that was done by Colin Kaepernick? Or what happened to that yeah. Bud Light ad that was done? Like, oh, that's crazy. So I think nobody wants, you know, advertise, they nobody wants to be influenced by advertising. I think, but I, but I think when you deliver something that people care about, that's kind of the service that you're bringing. And I think for us, we just want to get back to that. For, for whatever, whether you're looking for a new doctor or you're looking to, you know, book a, tra a trip or, you know, buy like cold brew coffee, connecting you with a brand you care about in a way that's meaningful to you has, has, has made the difference. So it is about being relevant to the audience. And I think the audience just wants you to like acknowledge what they care about and then they'll, you know, pay you with their, you know, with their consumer dollars. Yeah. And I, so there is, there's a, uh from a, from a high level, that's, um, that's great. When it comes to the tactical step-by-step, -step, I want to learn a little bit more. Um, I think the data analytics stuff, uh, becomes the, uh, early, easy and, and almost obvious place to really, um, for, for a lot of folks to engage, um, from, from there, uh, and on the post-production side, it gets easy. Oh yeah, we need it in 75 different formats and you push a button and out comes the stuff. That middle process where you do have that creative element, is there room for AI in that part as well? I mean, there's been you know, study after study, AI is not as creative. It's much more of like a reprocessor, a reformulation. It reminds me of mixtapes back in the day, right? Doing that kind of remixing and stuff. If it is engaged in that creative process, where and, and what role do you see that in? Well, I think it is not going to be the um, catalyst for the creative ideas, but I think it's going to help creative people bring to life what might be a nascent creative idea in new and different ways. I mean, in the same way that is Photoshop creative? Does it make you creative? Like you used to do things on, you know, tissues and then have a mechanical artist put them together. Photoshop doesn't make you creative. You have to be talented, but but it also help, but it does help you present things in a way that looks and feels finished. And I think AI is going to do a lot of that, but it will muse you along and maybe provide some stimulation for, you know, what if you had a cat wearing a, you know, pair of goggles on a surfboard? Like that is probably not a good creative idea. But if you can visualize that, does that help you figure out how to how to muse your idea? Along? Yeah, it's going to be ten times better if he's on a skateboard, not a surfboard. Yeah, exactly. it, it, it's it kind of reminds me of um, I'm sure you played Scrabble, right? Um, when you play Scrabble, sometimes it makes sense just to shuffle up the tiles on your exactly on your board to get different exposure potentials. Is that kind of what we're talking about? I think so. I think it's also going to you know. I think first of all. We started this two years ago, and we had no idea about what generative value yeah, was yeah. going to be what it is today. I think the main thing that I can tell you with certainty is nobody knows what it's going to be like in two years from now. So, <laughs> like, what are the possibilities? What's the potential? Who who knows? I think where it is today is it does give people people have a spark of an idea, and then they bring it to life, and and that's I mean I think for in terms of creativity, they've been doing that with you know when since oil painting was invented or you yeah. know. Paper 
songs and people have been putting an idea down and then refining it. I mean, is it just, I mean, again, I think it goes to like, it is a turbocharged power tool for people who have creative talent. I go back to, um, my partner's always giving me a hard time because I all these old like quotes about when you know Sony came out with a handicam and they interviewed Steven Spielberg and they're like, wow, are you worried? Because now everybody can be a movie maker. And he's like, like, okay, first of all, if you think just having a camera is going to make you a movie maker, you're probably not mistaken. He's like, I do think what it's going to do is give access to people in corners of the world that never would have a chance. And they'll you'll probably see some pretty good things that somebody makes just by having the but it's not because of the camera. It's that's that's the vehicle to get the talent that right. they have inherited out there. So, so I think his point is like I'm not concerned that everybody else could make a movie because, I mean, hidden cams have been out for 30, 40 years, and we've not had too many Jaws and ETs made by anybody other than Steven Spielberg. So, I think it is really just a a power tool for talent, and I think right now it's so exciting because it looks and feels so different. Six months from now, generative AI, I'm fully prepared for it to be kind of boring that like you can create the cat on the surfboard visual and people are going to be like, yeah, I mean, your three-year-old is going to be creating that probably. Yeah. I want to, I want to um, put that in context though, too, in that um, the one thing that the, the, the AIs are never really going to be able to do is be a valid and conscientious uh, custodian of a brand, right? They can't say, that fits and doesn't fit. They can give you, they can they can shuffle the tiles. They can come up with different concepts. But there's always going to be somebody at the helm that says like that's not the right brand image. That's not the right presentation for the consumer market. Data may say otherwise, but we don't want to ever go that route. There's somebody there that's moral and ethical, and they're just making those decisions. And that that's always going to be the case, right? <laughs> Well, I think it's it's nuanced. So first of all, I think we firmly believe that human in the loop is the only way to go. You need a human every step of the way to vet because the, the machine will come up with really good analysis of data, but you need a human to tell the story. Is there going to be a point where you can get the AI to start developing a competitive a compelling narrative presentation? Probably. But a human is still going to be there to augment it, to enhance it and embrace it. I think there are things you can do, and we're starting to experiment this, this, this with some clients now. You know, with, every, with every client, um, we, what we first do is build a custom-made audience model on AI that, that with, on our platform that pulls in from all these different data sources and personifies the audience. And they, what you can see is a visual of what this person might look like. You know, a lot's been done to improve the visual capability. And you can actually talk to it. You can type in questions. It'll show you if you are a, you know, young Latino Gen Z person looking for a new cell phone and the client might be Verizon, you can go in and look at what does that look like and then have a conversation. How do you choose? How important is what the service Mm -hmm. your friends use to buying a new phone or getting a new service? You can get a lot of back and forth, which is pretty cool and pretty mind-blowing. What we found on the the generative side is the more you input on our clients, from our clients' data, past campaigns, brand safety standards, things like that. Again, it's really good at synthesizing and automating sort of data collection. It, you, it can be trained on the most, like what brands care about. We, we work with Zipcar quite a bit and we've actually gotten our, our generative model trained on the all the Zipcar strategy work we've done, all the brand information we have, and it can write headlines. So does it ever Right. Like what we've never seen it write a headline that's completely off the deep end that is like a brand safety issue. Um, 
but we, you, but hundred percent, you need, you're always going to need human. And I think what we look at it is sort of like, it takes like write a writer from being just looking at a blank sheet of paper or blank screen and writing yeah. a bunch of things to being an editor. So yes, you're always going to need somebody for brand safety, just like in, you know, large corporations, you have brand safety departments that are making sure, because even sometimes the humans make mistakes. Yeah. So I think the machines aren't going to make mistakes, but they're, you know, they're, you're never going to be able to train them in the nuances of what's going on in the world. So um, uh, last question before we start to wrap up here, and, and John, I, I want to ask for for the folks that are out there considering bolstering their uh, their ads with um, with some you know, bolstering their their advertising models with some form of AI. Um, is there a a place to get started before they engage a professional? Should they be running out to GPT and typing in like what they think their ICP is and good luck? Or, I mean, where's some where's some easy entry points for footholds? And then when should they engage a firm like yours? Well, I think first of all, the way to get started is to get started. You know, there is that is half the battle. And I think for a lot of people, there is a lot of angst and concern. Um, and the way to sort of get over that is to get an understanding of how these things work because it is less intimidating once you get there. So absolutely, I'd go to try. ChatGPT, I try Bard, try a couple of different ones of those, read up a little bit on prompting, because we'll hear a lot of like, oh, well, you can get, you know, your platform to write Zipcar headlines. I can get that from ChatGPT. It's like, okay, but do you have the prompt engineering to do that? Do you have the data that's supporting it? Do you have the advertising effectiveness research? Like, you know, it's sort of like, again, it's like saying, I have Microsoft Word, I can write, you know, the next great American novel. Like, okay but you haven't like so again you yeah, need it's that. that monkeys or the typewriter thing right you know yeah enough exactly. in a room long enough and they'll come up shakespeare but ai so. is so new and it's in such its infancy that there, there really aren't a lot of experts out there i think what there are like it's better that more people just get involved watch some youtube videos play around with it and see what you get out of it try things like you know making a menu for dinner party and recipes and putting together a shopping list and just show how that some of the day-to-day tasks might be made easier and then sort of it takes the mind to like oh wow i can really do things that require analysis and come up with some good ideas and i need a christmas gift for my like spouse or kids or whatever it's mm-hmm. it's great for those things so i would start with that and then i think like you know you know, I struggle because it's sort of like you could still do media planning without a computer, right? You could still do campaigns without a computer. Like you can do that. It's just like, do you want things that are a bit more precise where the information is like thoughtfully pulled together if through a filter? And that's that's all AI does. I think it's not a panacea or a magic button, but what it does is get you there a lot more efficiently, a lot quicker. And all of our clients have just seen like outsized results from what they're experienced. So yeah. I, I have a harder time understanding a reason why not, why you wouldn't get started. No, that's fair. Um, when should somebody engage a firm like yours? You know, I think if you are, you know, I think what's, what's what we're hearing from a lot of clients, a lot of our clients are sort of like web 1.0 clients that have you know, been around for a while, like clients like kayakers of car. We work with Edmunds, uh, Edmunds.com car research site and really, you know, I think for them, they've seen a lot of value because they know their audience, they're digital businesses, but they know them demographically. And we've had, you know, clients like our Edmonds client and uh, Zipcar clients, both who said like, they came to us saying, we know who our target is, here's the information. And they give us the data. And when we give them back, they, they both the CMOs have said to me, 
you, you've given us such a more, much more nuanced view of our audience, how they make decisions, like who they are as people, how they think, that doesn't do anything other than help us make more relevant communication. So I think if you're sort of a brand that really wants a deeper look at who your audience is, is your current audience your best audience for growth? And if not, like how do you define that audience? How do you plan a migration path from your current audience to the more profitable audience of the future? I think if you're interested in really getting into data-driven decision-making, that those kind of clients tend to do really well with AI because they can initially see the benefit right off the bat. Hmm. I think it's, uh, that's useful in the useful context for the folks that are listening that might be kind of on the verge of those kind of conversations. Uh, so, John, as we exit here, I have one last uh, question, and it's probably uh, it's a three-parter, more or less. So uh, if you could tell our listeners here or viewers um, what are the three biggest lessons you picked up along the way to become the success you are in the marketing and advertising space? That would be super helpful. I think the the one of the biggest things is being open to change and evolution. And having been around this part, I was at Kubi Silver State and Partners and helped start the what they call the interactive department back back in the early days. Um, you know, I I started my career without a laptop on my desk you know, with typewriters and a secretary and flatbed, you know, machines for editing. I think just be open to evolution and change and, you know, don't fear it, you know, just embrace it, learn from it and figure out things are, you know, like one of the lessons in life is things are never going to be as good as they you think they might be. And things are also never going to be as bad as they might be. They're going to fall somewhere in the middle. So just like, you know, embrace it and go along for the ride. I think uh, one of the second things is, you know, I think for advertising and marketing, success comes in really serving and honoring both your clients and the target. Come up with ways to, to be relevant and to provide a service. You know, advertising sort of started as the way to represent, you know, stand in branding started as the way to stand in for, you know, when the salesperson couldn't be there every time, what does your brand stand for? And I think it should be thought of as like, how do you serve your customers better, both from a B2B standpoint with your clients, but also, you know, you treat them with respect, you find out things they're interested in, you listen to what they're saying more than talking, contrary to this podcast, and you, um, you know, and you just work with that. And then I think the third thing that is never going to change is the people matter. You know, technology is great, but you really have to, the care and feeding of your own people, you know, training people, being a mentor, helping people along the way is something that I've always taken to heart. And, um, you know, hopefully the people that have worked with me would, uh, would attest to that. Awesome. John, thank you so much. Uh, thoroughly appreciate you being on the show today. And uh, uh, I definitely want to hear more. Maybe uh, maybe we'll try and circle back here in a year or so and see how much of the world has changed by then. I'm sure there will be changes we cannot yet imagine. Thanks, Brian. Really appreciate it. Hey, you, yes, you, it's uh, 2024 and you don't have a podcast yet, or maybe you do, but you're struggling with it. Uh, we will talk to you about that uh, for free. We'll help you figure out uh, where you might be stuck, uh, whether or not we can help you for sure. But also, uh, if you don't have one yet, what are the like first five things you can do? Uh, what are some great angles that you can use to make sure that your podcast was sustainable as you start to develop that moving forward? Uh, those consults are free. So reach out at the link below uh, in the show notes or email me at brian at podcastchef.com. Thanks. Thanks.
Hi, this is Brian. Thanks for listening to the show. Uh, our website, podcastchef.com, has a ton of useful information about how to best leverage podcasting to help you solve some of your business goals and challenges. You can also schedule a demo uh, where we can show you how specifically Podcast Chef and our team can help you with some of your podcasting goals. Thanks. Thanks.